Good morning, everyone. You ready to go? Look at this awesome man. We actually have invited our friends from the Brazilian church. I don't know if you know this, but yes, uh, there is a... There you go. Uh, Danielle, great. There's a Brazilian church that meets every Friday night. It's been, Bert, what's it been, five years? Close to five years that you've met on Friday nights? Three. Three? Okay, I, I'm exaggerating, but it's close to three, three or four years they've been meeting on Friday nights. We just had our one-year anniversary. They meet Friday, but also Sunday in the chapel. As we're here at our noon service, the Brazil church is meeting in the chapel at noon, and, and it is awesome. We love these guys. So um, I have, I've asked Bert and Gabi, not Gabby. I tried to do that last night. I was like, it's Gabby. She's like, no, it's Gabi. And so I, I learned that. That's a, my, my Portuguese. That's about as much as I know. So, um, but we've asked them to open up with a couple songs. So I just asked Bert just to explain this first song because this is a, a Portuguese worship tune to open up. And then we're going to sing something a bit familiar. Go ahead. Take it away. Good morning, everybody. The first song we're going to do, it's called in Portuguese, Bom Estarmos Aqui, Louvando a Deus, which means it's good to be here worshiping God. So... Let's worship God. You'll know what the song means. It's in Portuguese, so let's do it.
guys you're awesome thanks buddy so good that's so much fun isn't it i just love it i remember going to brazil a few years ago and listening to that i was like oh man it'd be awesome every morning you know for churches to have that kind of music we're just going to have them come over and be part of it permanently but that's so much fun well it is a merry christmas we are so close and this year we're taking a really unique look at maybe potentially what christmas could look like if Jesus was never born. And so uh, we, we thought we'd, we'd make a little trailer just to give you a little idea of where we're going. Maybe I need to explain it afterwards. Watch this. He said it's in the town of David. It shouldn't be much further. We need to keep following the star. It appears to have stopped over in that direction. Come this way. It'd be very quiet. Mary's very tired. you're hungry. The chili's been cooking all day. Did you bring the spices? I bring red pepper flakes, cayenne pepper, and cumin. We come bearing the gift of unleavened cornbread. Yes. Oh, yes. So, so did you put beans in it this time? I did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you can kind of tell where we're going this year at Christmas. We're just going to have a big chili cook-off, and that's it, right? No, we're actually not. What we really realize, uh, it's a tremendous thought to think, what if Jesus never came? Do you realize how he has impacted our world? And I, I don't think you probably realize how many aspects of our life were brought about because of Jesus coming in and entering in. It's super fascinating. Uh, we are excited about this year. And so we, we want to invite you to that. In fact, we have 51, I think 51 services between all of our campuses, 11 services just here at Troy. And the first 10 services we're going to do all the way up till 6 p.m. Christmas Eve are all going to be the same. And then we're going to adjust because we want to have a midnight mass. We have 11 p.m. service that's happening. So we want to have a midnight mass type of feel for that one. And so we're inviting you to come back to that, the whole front part of that service, we're actually going to sing. 
We're going to sing Christmas carols, probably four or five of them together. And then we're going to have a lot of aspects, same message that we're going to give over those course of things in the same ending where we light candles. And we're really going to try to time that right at midnight on Christmas Day that we're going to be lighting these candles together. So you can come back for that. We have invite cards when you leave. They have all the services on the back and the service here. So you can invite friends and family. And we're asking you to pick them up. Tickets are already available online. They just reduced the price to $620. No, actually last week was $600. Now it's $620. No, they're absolutely free. But just come back and grab those so we know uh, where we're going to be going. Well, as we head into 2018, uh, we always like to have a new start, don't we? It's a new year. We're like, we're going to have a new start. You may be that person that has a lot of questions about faith. And so we do something called Alpha. And I know for me, coming back to faith, I had big questions. Why does God do this? What about this? Is it really true that Jesus is this? I had all these major questions, and I wish I would have had this outlet uh, where I could ask those questions and get feedback. So I want to show you a little bit of a video of what Alpha is, and I'll explain when it's going to be starting in January 2018. Life is busy. Every day we ask questions like, what's happening today? What should I wear? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are bigger questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? These are some of life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through. That's why Alpha exists. Alpha is a place to explore life's big questions in a safe and open environment. It's a series of sessions where anyone can share their thoughts and opinions and ask questions without feeling judged. When you come to an Alpha, you'll notice that first, there's food. Whether it's a full meal or a light snack, this is the time to get to know each other in a casual setting. Next, you'll watch an Alpha talk. The talks are created to engage and spark conversation. They explore big issues around faith from a Christian perspective. After the talk is a time for discussion, This is the most essential part of any Alpha. It allows everyone to share their own opinions on the ideas presented in the talks. It's a time for people with different thoughts, beliefs, and experiences to ask honest questions and have open conversation. Every week, there are guests coming for the first time to an Alpha in their community. Alpha is for everyone, regardless of background or beliefs. There's no pressure, no follow-up, and it's completely free to attend. Come and explore life's big questions. Find an Alpha near you today. Well, it's kind of easy to find an Alpha class because in January, I think it's January 24th, we're going to start that class. And it's about uh, 10 weeks along. There is food. There is a meal. Uh, You'll connect uh, and you'll watch that video. And then you'll have a table group discussion where you could really ask questions and process your faith. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal gathering for those that are really having hard questions on their heart. If you're part of that, you can go and register online. Sign up for that. I'd really, really encourage it. It's going to be a great, great step in your walk with God. Well, when you walked in, did did everyone get this or get it last week? Yes. Can you hold them up and let me see them? Many of you did. Let me see. Oh, good. If you didn't get one and you like one, I would love for you to have this. If you are brand new here, I would love for this to be in your hands uh, for a big reason. One, uh, you can really see our heart as you go through this. In fact, if you want to just turn to that first page, it says, when you give a year-end gift, Christmas gift to Kensington, you are making a major impact in thousands of lives for neighborhoods, for neighbors down the street, and also our friends around the world. Today, we're going to be talking about one of those friends. Uh, It is someone in South Sudan named Nicodemus. And so this is a year-end gift catalog. You can page through this and see our heart. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about this, but I want this in your hand uh, as we move forward today. Well, today we have a special guest with us. His name is Andrew Kim. He is our new Troy teaching pastor. Yes. And we're excited about having Andrew here. 
Andrew and Robin have actually uh, sold their house in Philadelphia. If you don't know, he's going to be moving here. We're praying he's moving that first week of January, at least I am, but he doesn't quite have a place to stay yet, so you might be living in our basement for a while, and uh, we'll see. You know? <laughs> but you can be praying about that, but we are super excited to have Andrew here. I do want to give you just a slight heads up. Uh, when we show this video, and I'm telling you, it's a powerful video at the end of Andrew's message, uh, the language in the video and also a little bit of the content from this man named Nicodemus is pretty it can be a little bit intense. And so we rated this PG-10. And I wanted to give you that heads up because at the end of Andrew's message, if you feel it might be too much, you could walk uh, your child out to the lobby. It, it will be playing out there, but you'll have a little bit more uh, uh, control if you, if, if you feel like it's not quite the right thing for you. But in general, I really want you to take this story in because it is so powerful. Well, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to stand up, uh, greet someone next to you, and maybe just sing a version of Feliz Navidad. No, you don't have to do that. All right, give this guy a big hand. Morning, everyone. We're glad you're with us, honestly. Awesome, it's it's awesome. Uh, yeah, all, all I really want to do is say thank you for being here. We are so looking forward to it. At least for me, I'm really looking forward to you being here. Uh, I'm just going to hand everything to you. No, <laughs> but um, you know, really excited about that in January. I just want to pray for you awesome. and then let Thanks, you loose for what you're made to Appreciate do. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you, Lord, for Andrew and Robin and the kids. We're so grateful for them, grateful for your provision. You're always reminding us how you are a good father, how you provide. And so I want to just pray for the family, the Kim family. Uh, just put your presence and your peace on them as they make this transition and all this craziness that's happening, especially in this season. And right now, in the name of Jesus, just enter in and let Andrew speak your powerful words that bring joy, that bring peace, that bring love, that brings Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Danny. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I love Sunday mornings. I love Sunday mornings. I love talking to people, love meeting people, and it's just great to be together today. And really, really excited that you all are here and that we have an opportunity just to get together and uh, to be able to worship God together this morning. Um, but my family and I are really excited because this is my third time visiting, and so we are excited just to move here and finally be here and just simply be able to meet all of you and do life together. And so we're hoping that'll happen in about two or three weeks, uh, depending upon how everything goes. But we're hoping early January we're going to be here. Um, but every single time, one of the things that I've been so appreciative of is every single time that I visited, people have been so kind. And one of the things that people have told me every single time I've come is that they've told me you, of all the things, all the great things there are to do in this area. And I just got here this past Friday, and as soon as I got here, people were telling me, you, if you have a moment, if you have a free night or just even a free hour, you have to go down to downtown Rochester and you've got to check out the Christmas lights. And so multiple people told me about that. So I was just curious, how many of you here, every single year, you make it a point, Steve Andrews already has his hand up, how many of you go and see the lights? A lot of you. So you guys understand how beautiful they are because you go back every single year. And so what I did on Friday night, I went right before I went to the best white elephant gift exchange ever, uh, two people in this community were kind enough to drive me down to downtown Rochester and show me the lights. And they were beautiful. They're amazing, right? That every single store along that street would have, uh, would be decorated and would have lights outside. It was amazing. And so seeing the lights, seeing everybody outside, feeling the chill in the air reminded me that right now we're smack dab in the middle of the Christmas season. And at least according to the song, this season that we're in right now is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, right? But unfortunately for many, it's not. Because for many people, it's not the most hopeful, it's not the most joyful, and it's definitely not the most peaceful. And I got a greater sense of that yesterday night and this morning as I was having conversations with people. And there are so many people that are in this community who are just dealing with some really, really difficult things. People in the midst of a divorce. People whose kids are just going through some really, really difficult health issues. People who are struggling with job loss and unemployment, and the list goes on and on and on. And when you're going through these things, your life isn't peaceful. 
But it, there's conflict inside of you, struggle inside of you, unrest inside of you. And this Christmas season, these past two months, and including the Christmas season, have been anything but peaceful for myself and for my family. And the reason is, the reason they haven't been peaceful is because when we said yes, when I said yes to coming here and being the teaching pastor here at Troy, I also didn't realize that I was saying yes to a whole lot of transition entering into my life all at once. Things like us, my wife and I, having to transition out of our jobs back in Philadelphia. For us having to say goodbye to our church community back there. For us having to sell our house there and hopefully find a place to live here. To pack up all of our stuff there, move it here for our children who are six and four to have to say goodbye to their friends, transition out of their schools, and start at new schools here and find new friends here. And the list, honestly, it goes on and on and on. So the last two months haven't been very peaceful because of all this transition. And I haven't felt peace. I've actually felt worry and anxiety, fear, doubt, and stress. And so, like I said, it hasn't been very peaceful. And so what I decided was that what I decided was that what I want for Christmas this year more than anything else is I want peace. That's what I want. I don't want more stuff. I want peace. And maybe for some of you this morning, that's what you're feeling as well. And that maybe it's been a really hard month. Maybe it's been a hard year. Maybe it's been a hard few years. And so what you want for Christmas this year, just like me, is you don't want more stuff. But you want to be able to breathe. You want to be able to rest. And you want to be able to feel that peace. And if that's you this morning, i got some great news for you. Because we're going to be looking at two verses in the scriptures that tell us how we can have a greater sense of peace in our lives. And these two verses come from this book that's in the New Testament called the book of Philippians. And Philippians was originally a letter that was written by this man named Paul way back in the first century A.D. And Paul was the one who wrote a huge portion of the New Testament. And Paul wrote this letter that we call Philippians while he was sitting in a prison cell in Rome. And the people he wrote it to were a bunch of Christians in this ancient Greek city called Philippi. And the reason why he wrote it to them was that they were being threatened with persecution because of their faith. So he wrote it in many ways to encourage them because they were facing, as I said, persecution. Because of who they believed, because of who they followed, people would say to them, if you continue on on this path, what we're going to do is we may beat you, we may throw you in jail, we may even kill you. And so when you look at Paul's situation, the guy sitting in jail, when you look at these Philippians who he was writing to and their situation, their circumstance, if anybody had a reason to worry, if anybody had a reason not to feel peace, it was these people. But yet, even in the midst of these circumstances, Paul writes this to these people, to these Philippians. He says this to them, do not be anxious about anything, he writes, but in every situation by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And if you do this, he says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And at the very beginning, what Paul says is, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. And whenever I read those words, the word that sticks out to me is that word, anything. Because what Paul is saying is that it doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how big it is doesn't matter whether it's your fantasy football team or whether it's cancer. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about nothing in your life. And when you take a moment and you think about what he's telling us to do, that's a really, really hard thing to do. Not worry in our life? Really? That's what you're telling us to do? Nothing? Not even just the slightest worry? Don't worry about anything? And it's not only, and it's a really, really hard thing for me to do because I tend to be a worrier and especially in the past two months with all this transition that's been happening my worrying has kicked into overdrive because let me tell you I've been worrying about almost everything in regards to this transition I've been worrying about big things like are we going to be able to sell our house can we find a place to live are my kids going to transition well in their school and I've also been worrying about small things like it's cold here so I've been wondering can I deal with the cold I've been worrying about other things, and I was thinking about this. I recognize that Steve Andrews and Danny, they don't worry about this. But I've been worrying about who's going to cut my hair. Because I have a great relationship with my hair lady, and I was like, I don't just let anyone touch this work of art. So am I going to be able to find someone to cut this to manage this? 
And so I've been worried whether it's been something huge or whether it's been something small. I've been worried. And the reason why I've been worried is because throughout these past two months, I felt like so much has been out of my control. And that's one of the primary reasons why we as human beings, why you and I worry. Because we're afraid that something bad may happen in our future. And we feel like we have very little control, very little ability to influence the outcome. So what do we do? We worry. And when we worry, what worry is when you think about it, in so many ways, worry is the antithesis of peace. Because when we worry, there's no peace, as I mentioned, but rather conflict and unrest and struggle inside of us. So Paul is saying in these two verses that if you want to experience peace, stop worrying. Don't worry about anything. But thankfully, he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't say, hey, you know what, guys? Don't worry, but that's a really, really hard thing to do. So good luck with that. And if you figure it out, let me know how it goes, right? Tell me what the situation solution is. That's not what he says, but he actually tells us the how. And what Paul writes is this. He says, in every situation, in every circumstance, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what Paul is saying is that if you want to experience freedom from worry, and if you want to have a greater sense of peace in your life, what you need to do is you need to pray, to have a conversation with God. And when you pray, Paul says, do two things. Two things, he says, when you pray. First of all, he says, be thankful. Simply say thank you to God. Because no matter what situation we're in, no matter how horrible, no matter how terrible it is, there is always something That we can be thankful for. And when we actually practice this discipline of gratitude, what it does for us is that it reminds us of all the ways that God has come through for us in the past. And it reminds us that just as God has come through for us in all of these ways, you know what? He's going to come through for us in the future, in whatever situation we're facing. So it reminds us that we can trust him. And a couple weeks ago, My worrying, I was just a mess because I was just worrying about so many things. I was worrying about the transitions that we were going through. I was worried about the things that were just coming around the corner. And so I remember one morning I said to myself, I was just like a mess worrying. And I said, you know what? I'm just miserable. And there has to be a better way to live than this. Because I don't want to live like this another day, let alone have to deal with this for another couple weeks or even a couple months. And so I was reminded of these two verses that we're talking about today. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to try this. And so I started praying. And as I was having a conversation with God, I just started saying, I just started off that conversation saying, thank you, God. And one of the situations I started praying specifically about and doing this with is my daughter Ellie's situation. And I think I mentioned a few of the details of her situation a few months ago when I was here. But she's in first grade. And she just started this past September at a brand new school. And it was a really tough transition for her. Because for the first week and a half, she cried every single day. That first week and a half as a father, as a parent, felt like an eternity. Every single day she cried. And I remember one day, the school counselor called us saying that she had been crying for two hours straight. And had been completely inconsolable. And had been saying, I miss my parents. I miss my parents. And obviously, as a parent, that breaks your heart. And so my fear is, one of my worries has been, obviously, she's going to be transitioning again into a brand new school here. One of my worries and fears has been, is this going to happen again? Is she going to have to go through this again, this same struggle? So I've been worried. And so I started doing this. And I started by saying, thank you, God. Thank you that even though I was unable to be there for that first week and a half when she cried every single day, thank you that you were. I said, thank you, God, that even though I love her so much, that you love her even more. And because you do, that you're going to give her everything that she needs. You're going to help her through this transition. And I also said, thank you, God, because even though I hate seeing my little girl go through struggles and difficulties and hardships in her life, thank you that you use all of this to help her become the person that you created, dreamed, and intended for her to be. And so just simply saying thank you and practicing this discipline of gratitude, it reminded me of all the ways that God has come through for her. And it reminded me that just as he's come through for her in the past, you know what? He's going to come through for her when we get here and when she has to transition 
again. Be thankful, Paul says. But Paul also says, don't just be thankful, but also be specific when you pray. Don't just pray in vague generalities, but pray if you know you need something, specifically ask God for it. So again, I did this with my daughter Ellie's situation. And I said to God, God, would you provide her with friends when we move here? Would you provide her with friends who are even closer than the ones that she has right now? Would you provide her with a school, put her in a school where she just absolutely loves her teachers and loves her classmates? And you know what? When I prayed this, when I did this, the first time I did this, honestly, didn't feel a whole lot of peace come over me. But as I did this day after day after day, time after time after time, there was this calmness, there was this tranquility that came over me. Because praying in this way, doing this, reminded me that the God of the universe loves my daughter, is for her, and will help her. And even though I feel like her situation is out of my control, It's not out of his. And so Paul says that if you want to experience freedom from worry, if you want to have a greater sense of peace in your life, do this. Pray. And when you pray, be thankful and be specific. And if you do, peace will come. And he says this in verse 7, that you'll experience this peace. And this peace isn't just any peace, Paul says. But this peace has two very important characteristics. The first characteristic, he says, is that this peace that I will give you, it transcends all understanding. It is beyond our understanding. It does not make sense to us. And the reason why this peace doesn't make sense to us is that how the world, how people in our world largely understand peace is that they understand peace as the absence of something, as the absence of hostility, the absence of conflict. And because they understand it in this way, they believe that the path to peace, the way to find peace is to get rid of hostility, to get rid of conflict, to get rid of the hostile situations, to get rid of those hostile people in their lives. And so in that sense... Peace is very much tied. Peace is circumstantial. Peace is dependent upon what's going on out here. So if there's hostility, if there's conflict out here, no peace here. If there's no hostility, no conflict here, then there's peace. It's based, it's dependent on circumstances. But when you look at the scriptures, what the scriptures tell us about peace is something very, very different. Because in the scriptures, peace is not the absence of something but rather it's the presence of something, or better yet, it's the presence of someone. And that someone is Jesus, who the scriptures tell us is the prince of peace. And peace comes through trusting and believing in him and following him. It's believing that Jesus is who he says he is. It's believing that he loves us, that he is for us, that his ways are better than our ways. It's believing that he will use everything in our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he's going to weave it all together, ultimately for our good and for his glory. And when we believe him, when we trust him, then this calmness and this tranquility is able to come over us. And because that peace is not dependent on a circumstance, but rather because that peace is dependent on a person. You know what? It doesn't matter what's going on out here. It doesn't matter whether our lives are amazing and everything's going well, or or whether our lives are just absolutely terrible and we're going through struggles and pain and suffering. It doesn't matter what circumstances we're going through. We're still able to have peace. And that's the peace that this world does not understand. Because when we're going through difficult things in our lives, when our marriage is falling apart, when we're facing bankruptcy, when we're dealing with major health issues, when we've got that huge exam coming up, when that, that person that we love so deeply has suddenly passed away, you know what the world tells us? The world tells us, worry, have anxiety, you should be afraid in many ways. But what the scriptures tell us, what God tells us, is that even through those situations, you can have this peace. Because it's not tied to a circumstance, but rather it's tied to a person. It's not based upon what's going on out here, but rather it's based on who lives in here. And that's why this is a peace that transcends all understanding. This is a peace that God promises us. 
But at the same time, this is also a peace, as it says, that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And that word guard that's used there, it's used in a military sense. And it has this idea that of someone or something standing, outstanding and protecting us against an enemy. And what that enemy is, as Paul says, is worry and anxiety. And so this peace that God promises us, when we have it, it's a peace that will stand and guard our hearts and our minds against worry and anxiety entering into our lives in a greater way or in any way. This is the peace that is promised to us. It's incredible. And one of the things that Jesus knew was that he knew that in this world that we would deal, we would, what would enter into our lives, some of the things that would enter into our lives would be trouble and hardships and pain and heartbreak. And he said this, we, and we know this because he said this to his followers. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And Jesus knew because he knew us, when we dealt with this stuff, that our natural inclination would be, would be to move towards worry. But in these two verses, it says, you don't have to worry. Don't worry. And you know how you can find freedom from worry? is by praying and by being thankful, being specific. And if you do this, he says, a peace that does not make sense, that is beyond your understanding and my understanding, a peace that will guard your hearts and your minds against worry and anxiety entering into your life, that peace can be a reality in your life. It's an amazing, amazing promise. And when we receive this peace, one of the things about this peace is that we're not just supposed to hold it and keep it all to ourselves. Go home and just enjoy it and give it a big hug and not share it with anybody. But just like everything else that God gives us, every single good gift that God gives us, what we're meant to do with it is we're meant to go out into this world and to share it with others. And what this world so desperately needs is peace that can only be found in the Prince of Peace. And in a moment, we're going to see a story, as Danny mentioned, an incredibly powerful story of a man named Nicodemus, a man who once had such rage and anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, and really hatred in his heart. And through a relationship with Jesus, his life was completely transformed. And so now he has peace, but he doesn't just hold it to himself, but rather in a place like South Sudan that has experienced such pain and hostility and conflict and death and racism. What he's done is he has gone out and he has become a peacemaker and carried the Prince of Peace to all of these people in his local villages. And so it's an incredible story. But before you see the story, you're going to see a message from our founder and lead, one of our founders and lead pastor, Steve Andrews. And so please take a look. Has there ever been a time in history where we are more immediately inundated with news that tends to bring us to despair or to give up hope. Do you realize that when you invest in a year-end Christmas gift at Kensington, that the opposite is true? That you're actually seeing hope and joy and love and peace come to the world? We're seeing that in so many countries in the world, explosive church planting movements. And probably none is more amazing or more miraculous than what is happening in the new country of South Sudan. Ruben Mariakal, our partner, and his friends in South Sudan are putting their life on the line each day. They literally don't know from day to day if they're going to live or die. But in the midst of this, overwhelming peace is coming to the world. And so today, as you watch this amazing story of this unlikely hero, a man named Nicodemus, realize that you and I get to be a part of something that is so unlikely and so amazing. When you give, we get to be a part of what Jesus Christ is doing in the world. country, peace is rare. 
people are so used to fighting that many have given up hope that things can change. But God says, blessed are the peacemakers. And sometimes those that bring peace are the ones that no one expects. Sudan, the newest country in the world, and it's located in East Central Africa. And this whole region has been in conflict and ravaged by war in the past 60 years. And actually, it's not getting better. It's getting a whole lot worse. In fact, the compound that we're staying in just a few weeks ago had a bunch of rebels that had come through with guns and threatening violence, and everyone there just did not know what was going to happen. Fueled by racism, political strife, religious persecution, the price of the conflict has been very high. There's actual active landmines just a few feet away from where children are playing. Everyone here lives in a state of uncertainty, not knowing what tomorrow will hold. They all live in fear and long for peace. When you see a man having uh, marks on the head or the shoulder, that one uh, means the number of the people that a person has killed during the war. And then when you see the women, you see some women are having marks, that one also shows the husband of the woman has killed many men. They share that glory in the, in, in the name of husband. So she acts like the husband is a hero. My testimony is about my sister's son. The child grew at my home for more than 10 years. When he was making the 12th year, the child was taken back to the village. He was transferred to the cattle camp. When he reached the cattle camp, they went to the field where the cows are grazing. Then another tribe, that used to attack the Toposa tribe called Boya came and raided the cows. And then on the process of raiding, the child was caught by a group of more than 10 men. They used a knife, then they slaughtered the boy. The people took me there using a motorbike to the place where the child was killed. So I went and I saw the body of the child lying on the ground. One hand was cut, then the other hand also was cut. The leg was cut, the head is far away from the body. I was not happy, I became very hungry. So I buried the boy and then I came back to the village. So I wanted to take one gun to follow the men where they have gone. My aim was to go and clear them all. As you see this mark on my face, these three men have killed three people and I, I was used to it. What was in my body, in my heart, was only to have a revenge. I was only aiming for a revenge. Then one gun which was left in the village was hidden somewhere because they knew that I loved the boy. And my aim was if I am to get a gun, I was going to clear even 50 men in that place. So I grew very annoyed in which I was even almost hung myself when the people went and uh, hide the gun. The only way was to go and hang myself, but the people went and advised me. Tormented by the death of his nephew and unable to find his gun, 
Nicodemus reached a level of despair that led him into considering taking his own life. It was while searching for a weapon in a nearby village that he ran into Reuben Miracol, who would eventually become his mentor and spiritual advisor. The life that Nicodemus had before getting Christ, is his aim was to be the, the hero of the village. And being a hero is to raid as many tribes, uh, the surrounding tribes as possible, is to kill as many people as possible. But once he encountered Christ, there was a radical change in his heart. Other people went and advised me until they brought me back to Kapueta here, whereby I met with Pastor Ruben and then with other believers. They had to advise me and say, that is not the way. Try to have peace in your heart. So I went and I stayed for more than 20 days until I forgive those people. Christ replaced this problem in me. I had to have peace again. As I am now, I'm going always to the church. I am also advising others who have the same grievances like the way I used to have. So I see Nicodemus, and he no longer views the other tribes as enemies. He views them as objects of the grace of Christ, and they're candidates of heaven. And that's why he has now the desire to, to reach out to the other villages as his friends. Since his encounter with Jesus, Nicodemus has been radically transformed. Under Reuben's guidance, he now plants churches in the very fields where the Taposa, Dinga, and other neighboring tribes have violently clashed for centuries. Armed with nothing more than the gospel and a motorcycle, he brings peace to a region that many believed impossible to reach. So we have two communities in our location here. So we have uh, the Dedinga community and then the Topaza community. These two communities are very hostile to each other. So when we planted the church here, the Toposa and the Dedinga were able to meet together. So what they did, they helped reconcile those who accepted Christ. They were able to meet together and then they worshiped together. They became one. But in other areas whereby the church is not planted, the war still continues. Many blood is being shed every time, but we saw really a church can bring peace in a community. The mission of our ministry is letting the light occupy the land. And we see darkness manifesting itself in different forms. The greatest is spiritual darkness. Uh, there is intellectual darkness. There is darkness of hatred and uh, violence. There is socio-economic darkness. And we see as we are in this land, our ministry is to become hands and feet of Jesus and shine the light and let the light occupy the land. I see Nicodemus maybe finding his fellow warriors in the other village as friends. Even his friends who are raiders, they were 10 in number. His gang of 10 men and six of them he has evangelized and they have come to Christ. When all these guys who are warriors come, they, they, they are now warriors for Christ. They are not taking the spears but they, and guns. They are taking the gospel to the, to the next tribes. I see this hope, and I can see changes will be here in years to come. Jesus means everything to me. In the first place, I was lost. Um, I was a sinner. I was a killer. I was robbing. I used to do many things which are not right. But when Christ came into my heart, I have now hope of being with the Lord.
I think when Christ is taken out of the equation, there's no hope in this country. I mean, governments can come with policies, but that cannot transform the hearts of people. It takes only the power of Christ to transform the hearts of people. If it's just empty philanthropy, helping people and doing that, there could never be hope. But when we are preaching Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, I'm sure ultimately the Prince of Peace will be able to bring peace to this country so there is hope. Wow, is that un- an unbelievable story, isn't it? It's is so powerful. So wow. extraordinary. Yeah, you can clap for that. Yeah, I think I've seen this story at least half a dozen times, if not more. And every single time, there's something new that sticks out. And to me, as I was watching it again, I was wondering, um, the situation in South Sudan is one where the people have experienced such incredible pain Uh, such incredible, there's bitterness there, there's fear there because of all the conflict, the hostility that's gone on there. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, what is powerful enough? What could bridge that divide and bring people together? And it's Christ. And Reuben said that. He said, when you take Christ out of the equation, there is no hope. Governments can come in, uh, nonprofits can come in, other organizations can come in, they can set up all these systems, provide health care, provide clean water, all of this kind of stuff. But what happened, what's happening in the heart, was present in the heart, the only one who is powerful enough to be able to bring healing and reconciliation and forgiveness and peace is Jesus. Absolutely. That's been a theme that we've seen throughout all of our walk with Christ. In fact, um, I remember being in Nepal a few years ago. In fact, I'm going back to Nepal in May with a small group of men. And Ramesh, our leader there, uh, Subkota, he said, this is a spiritual issue. You know, this is a spiritual issue. There's a lot of things happening. In fact, Norway uh, put up a hospital right here in South Sudan. They, thought they invested millions of dollars. In fact, we have a picture of it. And the team was telling me that they invested in it. They thought this is going to be the one place where they're all going to come. They're going to be able to get, it was an incredible hospital, be able to operate, be able to actually have a maternity ward, the whole thing. And they said they got there and nothing ever happened. And there's literally, it's just falling down and grass is growing up because it wasn't the thing that was going to bring true healing to that region. And I love the image um, that Nicodemus puts where he puts the two rocks down and then he says, and then he planted, and then Jesus is right in the center of that conflict. And he said, people are attracted to him. And what happens in that moment is that the Prince of Peace brings actual peace, lasting peace to that region. And I'll tell you, Reuben Marienkahl was here just a few weeks ago. I got to spend a lot of time with him. He is one of my heroes. He really is. What they are doing in that. You know, believe it or not, Reuben, I said, I said where's your family? He said, well, we, they don't, they're not here. Uh, I get to see them about four times a year, three days a time, each time. Twelve days a year he gets to see your family because he's working in such an intense place. But he feels the call of God to bring the Prince of Peace there. That's what we get to be a part of. Not only in South Sudan, but right here in our region. And so I'm telling you, 17 years ago when I came back to Christ, I never in a million years, Amy and I never thought in a million years we'd be able to be part of those kinds of stories. What a privilege it is to be in this community. And so that's why I wanted to tell you, I told you in the beginning about the urine gift. I want to tell you more about this. I'd love you to take this out and look through this. This is our heart. This is what we are about. Uh, all of the ministries in here, I always go right, I went right to the center and right in the center is Nepal. I have such a heart for the girls in Nepal, probably because we adopted our three daughters from Honduras years ago. I have such a heart for what's happening there. These women are young women that are being trafficked, rescued, and then they are the Nicodemuses in their area where they're coming back in and they are starting a church movement that is unbelievable. But not only around the world, but right here in our region, this is what we are about. And so we really are, uh, I'm inviting you, Amy and I've been praying the last, we always say the same thing, (laughs) pray the dangerous prayer. Uh, Would you pray and ask the Lord if you'd be part of this year to invest in this kind of mission? It's worth our life. It's worth our time. It's worth our energy. I know you know that too. And you believe that. 
And so Amy and I have been praying for two weeks. We just put our gift in on Friday. Be part of this uh, with us. We're going to invite our team out to lead us in a couple musical thoughts. And one, the first song is talking about uh, really God remind us. Remind us that it is about you. That you are worth our life. Because many times we invest, I, think, I never thought 17 years ago I would make the, the decision to accept Christ, then my wife, then my kids, what would happen? I thought it was just for me. And then all of a sudden you realize, no, God never gives you something for yourself. And I think you mentioned that. You always give, he gives you something to share to the world, to your community. And so I had never thought in a million years that we would be part of such a beautiful movement. And so the song is going to say, remind me, Lord, that it's about you. Remind me in this season that you are Emmanuel, which means that you are God with us. That he left his heavenly place to come here in this season to remind us that he is close. And that he is the one, Jesus is the one, that is going to bring joy, peace, and love. He is the one that's going to be in the middle bringing that reconciliation. And as we do this, we're going to receive our weekly offering. Thank you for investing so much in this. I cannot thank you enough for what is happening here and around the world because of your generosity and because of your act of worship. If you're brand new here, like I said in the beginning, I just want you to take this home and see our heart and be part of our community and just come back. If you want to take part in this, great. Uh, if, if not, that's totally fine too. Uh, but let's, I'm going to have Andrew pray for us, and then the band's going to lead us in this beautiful musical thought, and we'll have a moment uh, to sing out something to God as well. Go Absolutely. ahead. God, we thank you what you're doing in South Sudan through people like Reuben, through people like Nicodemus, God how these are men of peace because you live inside of them and that you are now using them as vehicles to transmit your peace, God, to a people, to a nation that is in such, such desperate need of peace and ultimately of you. But thank you, God, that this is a peace that is available to all of us, to all of us here, God. And I recognize for many people here, Lord, we so desperately need that peace because there is something that is going on in our lives God, that has caused us to worry and caused anxiety and stress and all of that and has stolen our peace. But thank you, God, that as we just saw today in those two verses, God, that we can have peace. And that peace, Lord, is ultimately in you, Jesus, because you are the Prince of Peace. So I pray, Lord, that we would do what you tell us to do, that we would pray today and pray in these ways and be thankful and be specific, God, and take hold of the peace that you offer us in you. And so we thank you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. children play on Christmas Day and snow is flung When I feel I haven't had a friend since I was young When I'm feeling tired of myself and everyone Lord, remind me Lord, remind me That the shepherd silence in the field that the wise men found a baby and they could not help but kneel that the one who heard our weeping became a child in a manger sleeping Lord remind me cause it's Christmas and I want to When I hear the news and hear another war's begun And I wonder if God's on the side of either one Thank you. 
ask you to stand. I want you to sing that one more time. Oh, come. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sing it out to him. There you go. Up to him as a prayer. Christ. One more time. The Lord will come. Oh, Christ, you are the only one worthy of our adoration. You are the only one worthy of our praise. 
Father, thank you for Reuben. Thank you for Julius. Thank you for Ramesh. Thank you for Nicodemus. Thank you for all that you've shown us. The power of you, Lord. The power of you being in the center of conflict. You born into this world, into chaos. Not to give in to chaos, but to be a person of peace inside the chaos. And teach us how to be that. How to represent your light in this world. Thank you, Lord, for that. What a privilege it is to walk alongside this community and you, Lord, as we get to see you work in the most powerful ways building your kingdom. Thank you. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm I'm really excited as we lead up to Christmas. Please, when you're leaving, grab uh, some invitations. We're doing a challenge on our staff to invite five people. I'd love you to do that. Next week, we're going to end this series called The Heart of Christmas, and we're going to talk about love, and we're going to talk about our friends in India. So come back for that. If you need prayer down front, uh, we'd love to pray with you or out in the lobby. We'll see you out there. If you're new, there's a place called Starting Point. Love to shake your hand and hear your story. We'll give you a gift. Have a great, great, great week.